Welcome to Canada's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Canada's podcast. I am your Atlantic Canada host, Rivers Corbett, and I am just thrilled, thrilled to have as our guest today, Terry McDonald Riedel. Terry has had an amazing journey as an entrepreneur in the Atlantic Canada area. And for those of you that have studied this region, you will know her name. You will know her a little bit about her journey at the very least, based out of St. John, New Brunswick. So I'm going to get into a little bit of a bio with regards to Terry. This is my first broadcast, my first podcast, and just thrilled to have Terry as a, as a guest for a couple of reasons. One is she's a great friend. Two, she's an amazing entrepreneur. And three, a little bit of self-serving. My company, Chef Toriel, is just partnered with her company, Civilized. So we're just thrilled to, uh, to continue, continue on that journey. So a little bit about Terry, the CEO and co-founder of Civilized Worldwide. It was founded in 2015, and it is the first in the entire world, by the way, Ladies and gentlemen, directly from Atlanta, Canada, premium lifestyle brand that embraces and highlights modern cannabis, CBD, and hemp culture. She, as the CEO, sees the company's strategy and the vision of the strategy, planning, partnerships, executive and financial management, typical entrepreneur, all of the above is the answer. And of course, she's got an amazing team that we've had the luxury of uh, of working with also. She's a serial entrepreneur. Of course, a mom, we were just talking about uh, the rush of the mom. I got to take my kids here. I got to take my kids there. And uh, as entrepreneurs, of course, we know all those pieces associated with how you juggle all that piece. Uh, Youth mentorship, International disaster relief. It goes on and on. Or go and also very much about gender parity in government. Um, she, uh, Terry's belief is that the world will be a better place if, as a global society, we remain open-minded and respect each other's informed opinions. So, Terry, I want to dive right in with that question right away because we're dealing with not respect. We're not dealing with open this at all these days with regards to this COVID situation. So as a, as, a, as a citizen of Canada and as an entrepreneur, how do you navigate those conversations with not only your community, but also your, uh, your, um, uh, your clients and your staff as you move forward? How do you still respect that with all this craziness going on? Wow, well, that's a really great question. So first, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, sure, let me dive right into that. And you know what? A lot of that sort of value set, that belief, comes from the name civilized. And to your point, most recently, having um, spent the last six years in California, so, you know, a Canadian living down on the West Coast, um, you know, I would say often when people would ask me about living there, you know, we look alike, sound alike, uh, Canada, U.S., you think that we are very like-minded countries, and we are not. No. And uh, so, you know, whether from a political perspective, gun culture, um, activism, you name it, there are a number of different um, perspectives. And so, you know, look, certainly living through, and I don't want to turn this into a massive political discussion. Yeah, yeah, I'm just curious of it. And, you know, watching through the Trump era, of leadership, um, it was just mind blowing to me the um, uninformed opinions and the fact that people would lock horns so readily, and how that's now even evolved into you know anti vaccine and name an issue, and there is a polar opposite opinion, and it's become a blood sport. And frankly, yeah. as a political junkie, what I'm so always surprised about is that you know these passionate people around policy and positions have far more in common than they. Do not <laughs> give it. Uh, so there's so much more um, if we can just create a forum for yeah. And for me personally, you ask about my team. Well, I'll tell you, one of my partners um, and I have very different political views. And so we actively engage in you know conversation where we listen. We can agree to respectfully to disagree on certain things. And, and I just find that so healthy. But you do have to be open minded. And, and you know, even now how. Social media, AI, you're going to be served up what you like again and again and again and again. You have to deliberately go to those platforms and channels that are not readily being served up to you because you're being fed 
everything you already believe in. So I think mm. of making sure I was frequenting those other platforms, websites, channels um, to make sure that I was having a more open-minded perspective. So love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, it kind of sets in very nicely with our conversation around community because I want to talk about civilized and civilized is really about a community. And mm -hmm. so this is about storytelling. I want you to, I want you to tell me the story of civilized, but I want you to start before it actually was born. I want you to give us that aha moment where you said, this is what I need to do. Because I'm always intrigued with entrepreneurs. It's the, those aha moments where you all of a sudden you dive in and your life is transformed. What was that aha moment that got you and your partner to uh, to start Civilized? Yeah, for sure. It's so funny. <clears throat> I'm probably going to date myself when I say it this way. But for those who remember the movie Working Girl and you remember the Melanie Griffith character in the elevator going, where did you come up with the idea? Trask, radio, Trask, radio. And I always think there's always an aha moment where you make that connection. And so for us, you know, a little bit before, as you know, Rivers, um, you know, um, my, my partner, Derek, and I uh, uh -huh. ran Revolution Strategy, uh, marketing communications agency out of New Brunswick, Canada for 20 years. And really yeah. after those 10 years or so, we turned it more into an incubator, hired amazing talent to run the day-to-day -day operation, the client accounts. And then that allowed us to be able to look at other pursuits. Because again, as entrepreneurs, you know, there's always this other, um, you know, these other ambitions. And in an agency business, it's hunt, kill, eat, right? Hunt, kill, eat. It's <laughs> clients who have adopted a product model. I'm like, holy cow, you can build it once and sell it many, many times. And so we yes. do that. So um, after you know, conferences, media, content, we decided to get into the content creation business, partnered with another great New Brunswick entrepreneur, Greg Hemmings from Hemmings House. Uh, great guy. Great guy. And so we uh, ended up coming up with a bunch of creative ideas, shooting two pilots, and we sold a show to Chorus Entertainment. So that's what brought us to California. Originally, we were moving thinking we would sell the show in the States. There are thousands of broadcasters there. There are really three or four players in Canada. But as luck would have it, the day I'm standing in the St. John Airport moving with my family, we get the note from Chorus that they bought the show. Not to nice. Say it's staying, but continued on. Um, so look, <laughs> Civilized, we were in California as television producers. We were, you know, shooting, producing this 20-episode series all across North America, all delivered by amazing New Brunswickers. We hired all of the talent and team from pre-production, writing, design, you name it, all from New Brunswick, which was a phenomenal experience. Um, Living in California. I love it. Absolutely. And so um, I'll tell you, I literally finished my job as a producer. It was in January of 2015. And the story goes that I was out um, having dinner with Derek, my partner at the time. And he had always been um, a cannabis consumer. Um, right guy, healthy, um, always took care of himself and actually kind of gave up alcohol just really from a health perspective many years before that. So I'm in the restaurant having a glass of wine. It's actually my birthday. And he snuck out behind the restaurant and he found himself standing by the dumpster with a vape pen sort of hiding. This is in 2015. All right. so he came into the restaurant and we just started having this conversation and, and really likening it to this last mask that he was wearing as an adult who lives a completely authentic life, except when it came to cannabis. And why was, yes. why was there this stigma? Why would we never want our children to know that he was a cannabis consumer? Meanwhile, myself and everybody else in the restaurant is drinking low-dose poison, the most unhealthy <laughs> thing, out behind the restaurant hiding. And so, look, whether it was living in California at that point for a year, um, this was before legalization in Canada. I mean, Harper was still in power. Totally. Things were very early, but that night, you know, it's funny, Derek stayed up and he had that, what I often say is that kind of Jerry Maguire manifesto. Evening. He stayed up and he wrote a treatment all about cannabis culture and the fact that so much of the culture relates to stoner culture, which is a yes. big part, but Wafty Smoke, Bud Porn, Willie Nelson, Bob Marley, you know. Cheech and Chong. Absolutely. And <laughs> but it's not the entire culture. And so armed with that, you know, the way we've always done things, uh, I'm the data nerd. And so we had that great conversation. 
we were literally contemplating, do we pitch? Do we go for a second season of Real Houses? We had a few other pilots that we had shot. I mean, what were we going to do next? Continue as television producers? But this idea of cannabis and just feeling the social movement at the time, Mm. and it it did, it gripped us. And so I hired Enveronics, the largest research firm in Canada, and commissioned research across North America because I needed to be convinced. Okay. Can I stop you there for a second? Because this is so key, so, so, so key. And so many entrepreneurs do not validate their idea. They dive in. I've done it many times myself. Lots, lots of money along the way. Didn't validate my my idea. So you're now in, you've got a concept, you've got a hypothesis, you got a thesis, and now you want to go test it to see if it's a reality. Did you spend your own money to do that? And if I'm getting questions that are a little bit sensitive, tell me, or did you get the government to help you? Where did you get the resources to do this research with this big company? A uh, little bit of both. So okay. our own money initially, but then again, there are fantastic programs, right? Either through ACOA or different economic development agencies that will support, okay. but 1000% validate your business plan, your strategy, right. your marketing approach. I mean, huh, that's a lesson you want to learn early on. Yeah, right on. And, cool. And for me, it was the data that we now all know. But when I say I had to be convinced, look, I was the typical, you know, kid in the 80s and 90s. I grew up with Nancy Reagan and just say no, and this is your egg and a frying brain. <laughs> I got into it. I thought cannabis was every bit as bad as sticking a needle in your arm. I didn't yeah. And so seeing this research that talked about most cannabis consumers were older high income earning, had children, owned their homes. And I'm going, this is fascinating. These, uh, there's such a demand and yet there was no content, no information, no education out there. It was just the early, early days of children with epilepsy who were seeing some benefits from, from seizure treatment with certain forms of CBD and cannabis. That's how early this was. And then really once Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN, did a complete yeah. on his perspective with, with cannabis, it seemed that the dominoes started to fall. And we're not okay. there yet. We're still a heavy, I, heavy but we're not there I, yet. I, I want to interrupt you a sec because I want to weave in, you know, the, the lessons of entrepreneurship as part of that. So you did your research and then what, what's the demand that you saw? Because you talked just, just a quick second ago, there, there was the demand for something. What was the demand that you recognized in that research? Well, it was a combination of two things, right? You can approach it by, we, we, we sat back ourselves and bundled together our 20, 25 years of experience as in advertising, marketing, branding, content creation, digital. I mean, when you looked at all of that, and then we said, what is in this industry right now? The lack of information, the lack of education, understanding who the actual cannabis consuming and canna curious audience really was, we knew that there was a gap that needed to be filled. And a lot right. of it, had to do with serving information, entertainment, education, that for those you know adults who choose to have cannabis or CBD as part of a healthy lifestyle, there was nothing responding. Right. So we built it. Got it. So, so we built it. So one, as I'm, as I'm just trying to set the stage, you had a hypothesis. You had that beautiful aha moment. I can just see Derek hanging out by the dumpster in the back yeah. uh, doing his vape. Uh, which vape, I mean, that just didn't come into existence for me until my son a couple of years ago started to vape. So all new stuff, you're right, in the back, uh, not to be told, not to be be spoken of, but we're getting trashed on alcohol. And uh, did the research, now have got this whole model of, uh, okay, so you went and you did it. You started to satisfy the demand. Talk about the first six months of that journey that you and Derek went through to one broach the idea, let alone going ahead with your uh, executing your hypothesis. Sure. So two things. One, um, what's interesting within the week of that, you know, dinner in January and this aha sort of epiphany about this potential idea, um, the name. Derek was at the gym. And again, it's funny. I mean, we worked together as business partners for 20 plus years. He's at the gym and yeah. he texted me and he said, I've got it. And I wrote back, I said, got what? He said, I've got the name. I said, what is it? <laughs> went, Civilized. And I went, yep. Nice. Okay. That nice. was it. 
from our yeah options well researched url searches trademark searches love it we would have had to spend you know a six-figure budget to brand this focus group test it no that was the extent of the name and it was so perfect and you didn't you didn't have to hire revolution to figure out what the name should be right <laughs> derek being the strongest creative lead we ever had <laughs> yes um, <laughs> Because again, coming up with that right name and doing it the right way and making sure you do have all the <laughs> and copyright protections, that is critical as well. Um, yes. So then look, the first six months, um, I'll tell you what's great. And, and certainly I find this a great deal in New Brunswick, that there are so many um, people and mentors and peers. And, you know, both Derek and I are graduates of the Wallace Institute program. And that has just been a phenomenal, um, it's just a, a great group of like-minded entrepreneurs, peers, coaches, um, and it could do, you know, access to some really talented, capable, experienced entrepreneurs. Yeah. Well, you guys are, you guys are, I think you're the first class of graduates from the Walls McCain Institute, are you not? Eric was in the first one and I was in the second. There we go. First two. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Very cool. 16th or 17th year now, but uh, yeah, we were. You were. But I'll tell you, so, you know, coming back with this idea and so, uh, you know, how do you, how do you continue to validate this? Um, it's amazing. I've learned that, um, you know, oftentimes when you go looking for investment, you'll get advice, but if you go looking for advice, if it's a good enough idea, sometimes you'll get investment. Uh -huh. This wasn't the case, but, you know, a fantastic mentor uh, and friend, Francis McGuire, um, you know, we went to dinner, Derek and I, just to pick his brain and understand this would have been the first opportunity where we would. Uh bigger than something we could bootstrap ourselves and yes. we didn't understand that that environment that landscape and so francis was fantastic in helping those early days of guiding us through programs like the new brunswick small business investor tax credit program and, and right how that can you know be a huge advantage for having those high net worth individuals in new brunswick become investors and then get tax credits um yes. so it's a great program it's a great, great program he's he's now the he's, he's now the head of ACOA, is he not that's right yeah, yeah, love it, love it, love it, love it. So, I mean, I love that you're weaving in those elements because part of the show is about how do we get support, how do we connect as entrepreneurs around Atlantic Canada, and you're just reinforcing that one with regards to the people, but also the resources around that. So, I love it. So, okay, so uh, you got the name. So, Derek's looking good. Uh, you got the database piece happening. You got a name. What did you do next? So the great thing about having, you know, Revolution as this incubator as well is it allowed us to tap into far more experienced talent than Civilized alone could have been able to hire out of the gate. But again, we were able to apply for um, different payroll rebate programs within the province that allowed us to hire the kind of talent that we needed in St. John. And then as we were raising money, as we were starting to produce content. Um, again, it's always sitting back and looking through your network. And even, you know, LinkedIn is fantastic. But when you look through your network, I mean, the idea of us taking those years of experience in content, branding, marketing, all of those things, uh, but we certainly didn't have that broader media technology experience. And again, I was able to sit down and have a conversation with a great friend who's married to a New Brunswicker, um, Terry City, who had been at Huffington Post. He left HuffPost and went to BuzzFeed. Um, he's been at a number of, you know, the mainstream digital publishing powerhouses. And so, and he, he led on the revenue side. So, right. again, to, you know, buy him a cup of coffee and to be able to sit and pick his brain, he was more than willing to share his experience, his observation, yeah. you know, and really help validate and help fill in some of those gaps because I didn't have that kind of experience. He was so willing to help narrow that. So, you know, you, you, you can... Never be shy and a phone call, a cup of coffee, you know, buying somebody a beer and picking their brain. Do that. It, you know, so, you need qualitative, quantitative, you need data, you need research, you need conversation if you're going to piece together the, the right strategy. It's one of the special things I love about Atlantic Canada. Um, I mean, I've been a maritimer all my life is the, and I've always said this as an entrepreneur, the roles that I've played is we all want to help. We all as entrepreneurs want to give back. 
All you got to do is ask. We're not actually standing outside your door waiting for you to ask us. But when you do ask, 99% of the time, we will get give you the time because it's entrepreneur to entrepreneur. It doesn't matter where you are in the state. So I love that lesson that you're conveying here in our little space of the world that there's a lot of advice that's out there. You just got to go ask for it and you will get it. Um, so... A couple of things that come out of where you are in your journey, you dove in with the content. So let's just talk about investors for a second. What was the value that the investors saw to put their money behind the journey of civilized? Because it had to be more than just simply, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go provide a supply for a demand of knowledge. What's their return on investment from investing? The time is easy because that's what we do. But the money piece, I mean, we all like to make money there too. So what was the ROI they were getting from investing in Civilized at that early stage? Yeah, so we went out to raise a million dollars on a $5 million valuation, and it was an idea. I mean, right. we didn't have a beta, we didn't have a site. Um, <clears throat> but it's amazing when presenting the data as far as two, right, the two fastest growing industries at the time, cannabis and digital media. Mm. And so great data. Um, and really looking at it to say, you, you know, the analogy that we used, frankly, was Playboy. Right. I, okay. That's cool. I love the analogy because Hugh Hefner was a feminist and yes. people, Playboy has phenomenal content, amazing quality. And so when you think about leading with content, I mean, Hugh Hefner did not invent the sexual revolution, but he had his own. No. And he saw what was happening and he took something highly stigmatized, you know, brown paper wrapped pornography and decided to bring a premium content offering to that space with Playboy and grew it into this international brand with clubs and cafes and swipe, you name it now. Um, Playboy makes all its money, most of its money on licensing. Right, right. With a smart digital quality content magazine. That's how it started. Okay, so let's 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 sway into that. I love this. I love where this is going. So, what are some fundamental lessons? Because what you're teaching people here is okay. We found a brand that we resonated with, not only from a emotional perspective, but from a strategic perspective, uh, and we just started to study them. Another lesson about why reinvent the strategy when it's out there. So, what were some fundamental lessons that Playboy taught you uh, and Derek in that uh, in that initial, let's say, two to three? years now that you adopted and you consider it as part of the key to your success? Well, it, it allowed a couple of things. Um, there were a number of different sort of analogies we looked at. And, and by that, Playboy is one that, look, we're marketers. And when you are out, raising money is selling, it's marketing this opportunity. And so to have an analogy that as soon as you say, uh, like you, heads nod, you're like, okay. Yes. And you know, it's a little risque. It's a little- Yeah, so what? Intriguing. We're not talking about cheap socks here. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> pornography and then cannabis. I mean, these are, you know, right away, the investor is going to have an appetite for tell me more when you start with. So let's talk about Playboy. Um, Love it. Right. So really diving in and researching, but it's really interesting. The company is fascinating. And I was lucky enough um, over the years um, because we actually ended up hiring Playboy's former chief content officer. Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> we did. Corey Jones, phenomenally talented, amazing guy. And then through Corey um, and an acquaintance still at Playboy, I was able to meet um, Christy Hefner, who ran Playboy for 20 years as the CEO, right? Hugh Hefner's yes. daughter. She is a media maven. She is brilliant. She is the one who just completely just reinvented that company through the 80s and 90s and, and made it incredibly successful bringing in digital e-commerce licensing. She was brilliant. And I'm just so, so fortunate to be able to have that connection with her. She's she's been a really great sounding board um, as we've as we built this. So, but it's it's all of those things, right? It's going back to your network. And you know, it's yeah. fun, you know, hiring. This is one of the things when you Make sure you have the investment to hire the right talent. It's cliche. Everybody talks about surround yourself with really great people. As a CEO, you shouldn't be the smartest person in the room. All that's true. And so when it came time for us to hire that chief content officer, we knew we needed the cream of the crop. We needed the very best. And so we hired um, a really expensive but worthwhile um, search firm out of New York to help us find this top candidate. 
And what's interesting is they put up this profile of Corey as, is this sort of the standard? Is this what we're thinking of? And then, <laughs> and then they're showing us another one and another. And, and Derek and I were both going, I go, that guy's not available. No, no, we want that guy. And so yeah. <laughs> it turned into a phone call that turned into a cup of coffee where we all just really fell in like with each other. And we ended up hiring Corey and he was, uh, you know, just a fantastic contributor. I mapped out literally content was the entire engine. It was our, our, you know, reason for being. And so to have that quality content that attracted that audience to have all of those uh, investors want to see again and again and again, they'll continue to invest in you if you're hitting those milestones and metrics. And we were pre-revenue for the first two or three years. We had to drive content. We said, we need to build a highly engaged, lucrative audience in the space. We can monetize that audience again and again and again. But we have to stay true to that commitment to grow the audience. And that's what we did. And you and you did it with primarily investors from New Brunswick. Early on, absolutely. Yes. Early on, yeah. But then then we raised we had five range, five rounds of investment over the last six months. Right. Well, and the reason I say that is because I, you know, I, I guess I, I, I want to keep reinforcing a beautiful place to start a business, a beautiful place to grow a business and a beautiful place to connect with people that want to support you. Again, it's not this, oh, I have to go to Toronto. No, you can get it in your own backyard to start and grow. And yes, the world's your oyster now and everything's much, but much more wide open than it's ever been because of the pandemic. But I just love this reinforcement, reinforce it. Why not here versus why we can't do it here. So I, I just I just love that. I love that. I love that. What was the plan all along for creating a revenue stream? Again, ROI, nice to have the the, uh, the viewership and so on, but where was the where was the revenue anticipation coming from? Mm -hmm. So early on we knew leading with content and again constantly staying up to date on the nuances and and you know the complicated nature of the cannabis space. We also knew that you know it's um the regulatory environment is such where almost every traditional marketing and advertising channel was not available to cannabis companies uh. everything right from television radio print billboard you name it not available um because of the heavily restricted environment i mean just go into any sort of a government run or you know a hybrid community dispensary environment and look at the packaging and you'll see what happens when government gets involved in a product that absolutely needs to have far better packaging um yes and, and so, you know, <laughs> the way that brands in the space were reaching their, their end consumers was through content, was through articles, PR, media, education. Right. You know, I mean, we've done sponsored series with things like CBD for beginners or cannabis for beginners. We've done Ask a Bud Tender, a series. We've done, you know, all kinds of different video series, editorial. And that's the way leading with education and then having that content sponsored. We knew that would always be the main way. And then we, we really evolved again, like many um, businesses in the media space, like Forbes and like so many, there's an event division. And so we eventually started running events and you know, created things like the World Cannabis Congress, where we yes. would invite you know, 600 of the global policy shapers, thought leaders, from the cannabis and CBD space, and we brought them to St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when you when you make sort of when you create an invite-only event, um, again, many years running the agency, running events, an invite-only event, and you call some of the, those leaders who you know and invite them for free. Please be my guest, the top five or six key CEOs and players in the space. You treat them well and you host them. Everybody else wants to come to your party. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. keep but you have to be disciplined. And we said no, probably 90% of the time, because we didn't want it to be, frankly, a bunch of salespeople and people looking for jobs. This mm. great feedback afterwards is that these, like we had Anne McClellan who led the task force to legalize cannabis in Canada. We had Vicente Fox, the president of Mexico, and we had Chelsea Hiller. You know, the, those were our keynotes for the first year. And the second year, you know, we had folks like Martha Stewart who came to yeah. see so let's talk about her for a second because that's I mean, that's let's face it that's that's the the personality that is one of the most talked about in the conferences that you that you did. Why did you pick her? Why did you invite Martha Stewart? And it's nothing against Martha Stewart. It's just I'm intrigued with 
the brand Martha Stewart as it relates to what you and what value did she bring? Because as others are listening here, I love the invite only. And as they're trying to pick and choose people who they can bring to their events to build their brand out, why Martha Stewart? So with Martha, it was actually, you know, we wanted a mainstream name with civilized. And again, there's a reason we're not canna something, green something, leaf something. We're civilized. Um, right. And what we've endeavored to do is always marry mainstream with the cannabis space. And Martha Stewart embodies that probably better than anyone from that overall lifestyle space. Now, yes. full transparency, she was also uh, in partnership with Canopy Growth um, and Canopy was one of our main sponsors for the event. So we had our final keynote where we had Bruce Linton, the CEO of Canopy Growth. We had Martha Stewart. Mm. And then Derek, our CEO at the time, was moderating this conversation among the three of them. So she right. was launching her line of CBD gummies and she had CBD pet products and a number of other things. Under okay, the- so she, she's already a fan of the industry. That's I guess that's where I'm trying to weave in. Oh, yeah. Where was the connection? So she was she already had a connection and you just added more food to it. I love it. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. And so uh, who picked her up at the airport? She flew in on her own. Is uh, she? So funny. I was literally just going to tell this story. You know, these events, <laughs> she was running. There was a lot. There were weather issues. There was a very real risk that she was not going to make it. She was yes. running and done around 45 minutes late. And we literally said, you know, when you're handed lemons, make lemonade. And uh. we literally with the hotel, they were brilliant. We started serving like gin, lemonade, refreshments in the afternoon just to pacify everyone as we were all waiting. (laughs) 45 minutes later and one or two gin, lemonade cocktails in, uh, everybody was delighted. Even though she came on stage a couple of minutes late, no one was delighted. You're brilliant. So many, so many things I can keep talking to you about, uh, about civilized, but I want to, and I want to want to quickly go in, you know, I'm a big fan of the movie, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, I know there's been a, a, I'll call it a, a, an interesting journey associated with civilized, which brought you back to where you are now. And we're going to finish off the show in that area. Can you talk about that? I'll call it that, that pothole, or maybe it's a bigger hole as to when civilized was quote unquote sold and, um, and you had to deal with that and what ultimately happened that allowed us to now be back to talking to you as the CEO. Yeah, for sure. So um, yeah, interesting times in the industry, you know, 2016 through to 2018, there was so much capital and just um, it was, it was just high, high risk capital. Once you hit 2019, you know, it was really a climate of mergers, acquisitions, everything you're seeing now, right? I mean, Uh. and the analogy we always use is, you know, post-prohibition, alcohol prohibition, there were like 450 breweries that that popped up post-prohibition. And 50 years later, there were four that had 90% Uh. market share. And wow. this is going to be exactly the same. Cannabis. Uh, uh-huh, so Canada, uh-huh. you, know, you were seeing those big, big players, many of whom have consolidated. So the same thing was happening. We were approached to be acquired um, by a Washington-based data company. And, um, you know, it, it, as you go through the due diligence process, and, and that was the, the strategy. It was always to build through to an exit sure. going public or being acquired. Yep. So as we went through, look, despite their best efforts, they were out in that crazy climate where capital was drying up. And they were trying to raise money that would have seen them acquire Civilized and another smaller data company in the U.S. Um, right. We weren't able to raise the funds. And for us, because we were in an exclusive um, arrangement with them and we weren't allowed to go raise capital on our own, we ran out of money. And we mm-hmm. had to off our teams in California. Mm-hmm. Um, crushing, crushing. And, um, you know, that said, um, I will often say that I've learned very little on my best days and uh, you know, you you really don't know what you're made of until you're faced with really um, incredibly challenging environments. And so, you know, once we get to the period and we're like, okay, it's time. So uh, strategy, I stepped back. I looked at the assets we had. We had a 10,000 piece content library. I had an engaged audience, even though we hadn't posted fresh content in three months, I went, this audience remains engaged. The SEO is optimized and working really well. So I've got a content library. I've got a fantastic audience that is staying true and loyal, social media, database. I've got all of these assets. How can I relaunch and pivot and be super, super lean? I had to deal with our main secured creditor and negotiate terms because there was no fresh capital coming in behind secured capital. 
managed yeah. to get them to, you know, give me another year and write down to like 10 cents on the dollar and lock that deal in to give me the runway to then go raise capital. I raised fresh capital all from existing investors. I didn't have nice. to inside the family. Yeah, so nice. Investors they believed in you. They believed in you, and they obviously they believed in the vision, but they believed in in you as an individual. And there's there's got to be a play in that, Darian. I know you're a humble woman, but there's got to be a play in that. They believed in you as the leader. Well, I, look, I think that's certainly part of it. I think they believed in the plan I put in front of them, the team I had assembled, how I yep. was using assets, and how my commitment to remaining very, very lean because we grew so big, so fast. Yes. Under- frenzy of the industry, many have. Um, and so this approach now is back to, we pivoted from a digital publishing and media company to a lifestyle brand that yes. frankly, it takes mainstream and endemic cannabis and CBD companies. And if you go to the site now, you know, it's livecivilized.com. Yes. Um, so platforms have that name and it very much is a focus on wellness, health, business, um, and so if you, if you look at those different categories, don't forget about food, Terry, don't forget about food as part of it too. <laughs> because those are the ways that people are incorporating cannabis and CBD into yes. their style. So we've pivoted with that focus. I was able to repurpose much of the content, which had tremendous value when you own your library. I mean, you hear it now full time in the headlines when you see musicians, you know, Taylor Swift doesn't own her library. Owning your mm. library is the most valuable thing that you can have. Content is expensive and mm. people are informed, educated, you know, there's just such an un, like the, the demand for content is insatiable. And we have this mm. library. So I repurposed a lot of it. I've got great contributors who are part of our team. We've got great partners and sponsors like Chef Toriel that arm us with mm. brilliant content that we can then share. And our number one strategy is we are here to serve our community. Right. One. Anything we do, anything we say, if we can't answer the question, how does this best serve our community? Information, education, is it entertaining? Will it serve them? If the answer is no, we don't do it. Right on. Yeah, pretty easy litmus test with regards to that. When I was running Relish for my burgers, which, by the way, I've been through some downtime with that. I, I had Turkish investors of all places who just came in and it just fell apart, blah, blah. So I've been where you've been. And that's why I love that story is that you learn more, of course, when you're going through the hard times than you do the good times. But um, but I, I, I just love that whole aspect of, uh, of how you turn things into opportunity from the ashes not necessarily asses, but you know, get my point. Now, in the whole arena of your audience, uh, is there a pocket? I'm not talking. I'm more interested in geography. Like, let's let's say, let's okay. We got two. We got North American audience. We got Canada with legalized marijuana. The United States with pockets of legalized marijuana. Are you seeing uh, where's where's the biggest um, like consumption of the content that Civilized is offering? Yeah, and it's interesting because you know, look. We started this company from St. John, New Brunswick because of the infrastructure and the network that we had access to in New Brunswick. Never, yes. We always focused on the U.S. market. From the very beginning, Yes. 80% of our content consumers are U.S.-based. It was never mm-hmm. on Canada. I mean, it's great. We All said and done, we probably have 75% of our audience is U.S., around 10, 11% is Canadian, and the rest is predominantly Australia, New Zealand, English-speaking European countries. Gotcha, gotcha. So, always been that focus, but you can never, the, having access, and, and I, you can't say it enough, investment, yes, government support program, your network, the people who are one or two degrees separated from you as a New Brunswick entrepreneur, it's real, it's there. The talent, having revolution, where at that time our agency had probably 20 or 25 people, people who we knew and trusted. And so we could get brilliant creative, digital, web design, writing, research, all of these necessary things. And then when we needed the kind of talent that, frankly, St. John isn't exactly the mecca for digital media. You're not going to find a Corey Jones from St. John. <laughs> Who knew? (laughs) Right. And so that kind of deep expertise in digital media, SEO optimization, audience health, that talent pool was based out of LA, but all structure nuts, bolts, our CFO, HR, all of those core, um, like those core corporate roles, those were in St. John, New Brunswick. Yeah, I love it. I love it. You were, you were doing virtual stuff before virtual was really even cool. Is that fair to say? 
<laughs> you know, uh, yeah, one of the earlier businesses. That's certainly what we did. We're doing digital. Big surprise. <laughs> Big surprise. Back to that restaurant. Back to the same vape mode. So um, I can talk about Tumblr now, can I not? Because it's uh, it's open. So talk about, I mean, you've, so, you've formed this relationship with this mammoth of a, of a, of a platform called Tumblr. Can you talk about the journey of establishing one relationships that are that make strategic sense, but then going after you know one of the one of the one of the big ones? And what was that journey like as you brought them into the next stage of civilized and where you're taking it? Sure. And you know, again, as an entrepreneur, I think you have to be open-minded. There, there are opportunities that are going to come to you. There are those pursuits that, of course, we we go after, but then. Sometimes it really is just being the right place at the right time. And this opportunity really falls into that category. And interestingly enough, look, managing your networks, keeping people involved, informed, whether it is, you know, my informal network of folks like Christy Hefner. And, and I mean, I don't want to overplay that at all, but, you know, there are little things where she's interested enough where she will make some introductions. And so she's introduced uh, a couple of other companies that I'm talking to now where there could be some interesting strategic partnerships there. Uh, um, but with Tumblr, What's interesting is that the same gentleman, Terry City, who I talked to over coffee a number of times to pick his brain on revenue strategy, uh, I was keeping him up to date that I had relaunched the company, introducing Trisha, my business partner, who was instrumental in working with me on the strategy, pitching investors. Um, I was letting him know. I said, look, we've relaunched the company. I couldn't be happier. Check out the new site. You know. He wrote back to me immediately and he said, that is really interesting. Do you have time for a call today? Mm, mm, I love it. He was now at Tumblr leading their West Coast brand partnerships, really more on the studio side of things. But he said, it's really interesting, Terry. He said, look, we have at Tumblr, we know that we have this large community of Tumblr bloggers. They have 40 million unique members every month, which is... I didn't even know Terry was at Tumblr. The last time I spoke to him, he was at Group 9. He was now at Tumblr. And when we first spoke, I'm like, Tumblr, Tumblr? He said, yes. <laughs> Tumblr, Tumblr. <laughs> well, spade a spade. If there are, you know, eight or nine platforms, you'd probably list Tumblr in the eighth or ninth position in terms of platforms. But what's interesting is that they were acquired by Automatic a number of years ago. You know, Automatic owns WooCommerce and, um, and WordPress. So you've got this tech mammoth that was investing heavily in cleaning up Tumblr. Tumblr went a little too not suitable for work kind of content. They cleaned all that up, hired a ton of experienced media executives. And so armed with that, they've just, they've done their own reinvention and pivot. And so what he said to me is, look, they have their own Tumblr blogs around lifestyle categories, fashion, music, activism, fandom, but they knew they wanted to do one in cannabis, but they were looking at possibly partnering with another legacy media content provider in this space and yes. see the um, alignment. What they wanted to do is be able to have quality content. So they said, we yes. have the whole editorial team. We can hire staff, start producing content, or we can partner. So we got to work. And so now Civilized is the exclusive content. Exclusive. Content exclusive content provider for the cannabis.tumblr.com blog. But what's great about that is we don't want it to be just civilized content. It allows us to invite friends and other people who have done phenomenal things in this industry, like, you know, Max Simon with Greenflower and Gangier. He's focusing on a uh. program for cannabis. And he is, he's got, he has programs with 14 universities in the U S teaching cannabis curriculum. I mean, just brilliant stuff. And he had his Instagram and YouTube accounts shut down 18 months ago. Wow. So this is the reality. This is the minefield that we're all operating in. So look, it lets us wrap our arms around folks like Max, great folks like Scott Jennings at Pantry is doing brilliant stuff. And we can take this wonderful content, both endemic content and then mainstream content with partners like you, and we can deliver it through this canvas.tumblr.com blog. And we get to reach these 40 million Tumblr, you know, members every month. So it is huge. And the fact that here's the biggest kicker that just came out this week. You know, when I mentioned things like Instagram accounts being shut down and other social platforms, it is so restrictive and subjective, frankly. How do you yes. offer a business where you have 
So few ways to reach your consumer and your accounts get shut down. Yes. Tumblr is the first massive social platform that will allow CBD advertising nationwide. Wow. I mean, do they, do they, are they not running across government pushback, uh, you know, yeah. uh, interest groups or whatever? They just said, screw it. I'm just going to put it up there anyway. Like the, the Branson style of doing business. Screw it. Just do it. Well, and, and the interesting thing is everything, of course, has to pass that the rigor of, of compliance in advertising, yes. not loose and reckless. I mean, there's still all the same. Right. This is what's so interesting, right? I mean, literally county by county, you've got regulations on how you can market, promote testimonials, what you can and can't say. And so, you know, the, the lawyers at Tumblr crafted a very detailed um, strategy, legal position on what they will and will not accept. But if you were a legal CBD company, and you are able to distribute nationwide, this is the only social media platform where you can advertise your product to those 40 million people. And the real kicker with Tumblr, I'm telling you, it's just, I'm such a dead nerd. But when you dive into it, this is what's so amazing, you know, and opportunistic. Of their membership, anywhere between 58% and 83% of that Tumblr membership is not on any other social platform. You told me that when we first started talking about Tumblr, I was amazed at that. I, I was just, that was blew me away that that was the case. And uh, that in itself shows value for Tumblr, but, uh, but also value for Civilized is that you get focused. And there's value off of that whole platform. So I, I, I just love that, that whole piece. And why do you think that's the case? Is it really about content, relationship, engagement? What's, the, what's you know, with all of the distractions, how come people aren't going, you know, across the street? Yeah, it's interesting. I asked that exact same question. And the answer that they get back from the membership is that, you know, they don't want to be on Facebook scenes, pictures of somebody's dinner. No offense. No offense, Rivers. Yep. They don't want to see you. <laughs> That's funny. These you know, bloggers and leaders on Tumblr tend to be really passionate about those areas of interest and their needs, yes. everything they need within that community. It's not an Instagram community. It's not a Reddit community. It's not a Facebook community. This is, it is very creative storytelling um, memes. It's really, you know, it's, it's a creative class. So, uh, very quickly, what's the focus for Civilized over the next two years? Yeah, great question. So we just launched a couple of months ago. Um, the focus is to continue to grow and nurture that audience and that community. So we are committed to staying very lean and using strategic partnerships like what we've done. Mm. Tumblr is one. Um, another interesting one, I won't go into too, too much detail, but there is one uh, that we just signed with the National Hemp Association which has nice. 5,000 members in the U.S. So you think about 80% of them are CBD brands. Within, yes, yes. So, you know, we've got a great B2B community within the National Hemp Association, a great B2C community within Tumblr. So it's really about being lean, focused, growing our own channels, continuing to respond to those challenges that these brands have. I'm, I'm always shocked. There is no industry I can think of that is more in me of the ability to share and communicate. It's a congested space. It's a confusing space. It's still highly stigmatized. And people are curious. This isn't about cramming something down someone's throat. But if your mother is curious and interested in perhaps a tea that might help her sleep, or my yep. son who had rheumatoid arthritis in her hand and was taking so many pharmaceutical medicines to deal with it, and yet a CBD oil was the best remedy that she could have had, like, uh, people are curious and they just don't know where to go for that right. information. And if they want to try something, that's what's fascinating. This industry has evolved from rolling a joint, a one hitter, you know, a pipe with some weed in it. It's not that carcinogenic smoking 20 year old with a bong in the basement. There's some of that and it's great. This is edible, infused CBD gel kits, topicals, it's for pain, it's for sleep or anxiety. It is a yes. plant that has been colossally misunderstood. And if people, I'll come full circle back to our first question. If people are just open-minded and they feel like this is something they want more of a plant-based approach to what they put in their bodies, they should research, investigate, and experiment with cannabis and CBD. And that philosophy is the perfect reason why you're the perfect person to lead civilized and just an amazing journey. I know it continues. I look as a maritimer. I'm, a, I'm proud to have you be 
from Atlanta, Canada, and also growing from Atlanta, Canada. I think it, I think the story is absolutely spectacular. There's so many, so many different levels. Uh, one personal question, and then a couple of how do we get in touch with you? Blah blah blahs. Um, so before we started this, you said. I just get back from taking three kids here and doing this and doing this and doing this. As a parent entrepreneur, what's your recommendation for people who are trying to juggle all that? Is there a, well, let's, let's just talk about what's Terry's formula for parenting as an entrepreneur? It's a great question. And um, you know, it's funny, I was asked this a while ago, um, wrote a byline and, and, and included this in. I don't really subscribe to this idea. I don't know if it's a, it's a woman thing. I don't often get on that soapbox. But the idea of, you know, you can't have it all. I think yes. you absolutely can have it all. But you have Love to it. compromise and you have to ask for help. And right. so um, it's really, really important. So, you know, being an entrepreneur, there are things like people say, oh, it must be so nice or you're so lucky. I'm like, ah, well, I work all the time, but I can work on my own terms, too. So there yes. are, I never, you know, I don't miss any soccer games. I don't miss those important things, um, but my children also see how much I enjoy my work. Mm, love it. My job, and they respect that. They understand it. They, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family where we talked business around the table. So there's, you know, my children are very well informed. And even the question, you know, do your kids know what you do five, six years ago? I said, absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. I'm so proud of Civilized. Like, oh, are you worried that they'll read the content? I'm like, I encourage them to read. Totally, you want them to read it. What a goofy question. I don't want them to read my times. I want them totally. to read I'm not saying, hey, you're 16 and 19, you should be consuming cannabis. Of course not. You should be 25. Look at yes. all the research. I'm still a yeah. mom, but yeah. you balance it. You know what? I try to sleep well. I exercise and eat well. I do all the things that will allow me to keep my energy at a certain level. I don't miss the soccer games. I adore my children. I make sure yes. I care of myself because we all know this is a 24 hour a day gig it is it is loving what you do with the uh the um, richard branson is one of my mentors he, he doesn't know he is but he is and <laughs> he asked this quote he asked this question one time at a conference and i always ask it uh whenever i'm working teaching kids or whatever entrepreneurs what's the number one thing you can do for the success of your business and nobody gets the answer right nobody even amongst a, you know, a room full of, of veteran entrepreneurs. So I'm going to ask you, what do you think? You kind of just alluded to it. So I'll give you a hand on that, that you can do for, for the success of your business. I think it's take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of your health. Bang on. That's what he said. It's your health. It's your and health. I've, had, I've had bouts of depression. I've been sick. And, and the business doesn't get my attention. So I love that. The, I love that you brought that up as the final piece. WWW lives civilized.com right. is the website and i know you love it when people hang out with you on linkedin what's uh, your linkedin uh, uh absolutely find me terry readley linkedin look follow us go to live civilized sign up for the newsletter follow us yeah. facebook twitter go follow us i want to build our social audience we're here to serve you understand you whatever your questions or curiosities are this is the place if you have any questions or observations on cannabis cbd or hemp we're, we're your go-to. I love it. You know, when I started this podcast today, I, they gave me all kinds of backgrounds to put into uh, how I could put the background in, you know, the flags of Atlanta Canada and all that kind of stuff. No, I'm going into the kitchen because I know Terry's going to be in the hot box. That's yeah. <laughs> there she is. You're a rock star, my friend. Keep being all the amazing things you are. And uh, we'll look forward to the next time we chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. Oh. Rivers, thank you so much for the opportunity. You're very, very kind. I've enjoyed this. It flew by. Thank you so, yes. so much. Cool. We'll catch up with you soon, my friend. Bye for now. Bye.